Good morning, Cincinnati, and welcome into another winning episode of the Bearcat Brunch, brought to you as always by our sponsor, Royal Links Golf Tours. It might be freezing cold out right now, but it's never too early to plan your next great getaway. And Royal Links Golf Tours can help you do that. Royal Links Golf Tours is a golf tour specialist offering unforgettable golf experiences to Scotland, England, Ireland, and Wales. Their custom itineraries are more than golf trips. They are immersive cultural and country experiences that will surprise and delight you, both on and off the course. Royal Links Golf Tours is owned by former Bearcat quarterback Hayden Moore and his partner UC alum Jeff Bartholomew. So if you've ever wanted to play St. Andrews or have that perfect pint of Guinness in Ireland, visit their website at RoyalLinksGolfTours.com or call them directly at 770-331-1525. And with that, we are back with my co-host Jeff Howe to discuss another Bearcats win, the final win in Philadelphia for the football team, 23-3. In a game that, uh, you know, just kind of did its thing. And on a day where there were some upsets, on a day where there were some very, very close calls by highly ranked teams, on a day in November that puts you in position to, you know, play for another conference championship, I'm going to take it and uh, and move on to Tulane. And Jeff, thanks again as always, for joining me. And as we do every week, we'll kick it to you first. What was your uh, big impression from the Bearcats? I don't want to say easy, comfortable win. I I mean, the defense looked really good. Uh, The offense did what was necessary to win. I think at this point, we touched on quite a bit last week. Like, we're not looking for full-on wholesale changes in, in the way that this team operates or wins football games. Uh, it doesn't have to be, I said it yesterday, like it doesn't have to be pretty. I just just get the win, put it on the left side of the column, and, and let's move on. Yes, and good morning, Chris, Alex, Adam, Deanna. Thank you all, as always, for joining live. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's November. It's it's win time. Like, I we haven't won pretty all season and they're nine and two. They weren't all of a sudden going to start winning pretty yesterday just because maybe the opponent is not as good, but like look around the country. Like, I don't care. Get the W, especially mm-hmm. if you're on the road, get home and start game planning and getting ready for a good two lane team coming to nipper and, and win that game. And you're in the conference championship for three years in a row. Like, we will get into the intricacies of this game, but like, you know, the old, the, what, you know, the old saying around UC, just get the dub. Like I, it's hard to care exactly how it happens when the result, it puts you in a position to do exactly what we all wanted to do when the season started. I mean, I, I think if you told people at the beginning of the year, after everybody that graduated and got drafted, whatever, everybody that's gone now, if you told everybody at the end of the year, you're going to be looking at a game that if you win, not only will you be in the conference championship game, but it very likely will be at Nippert. I think everybody's going to say, sure, I'll take that. Yeah. But if you look around Twitter, you would think that this team has only won like two games this year. (laughs) 
<laughs> and is playing the most miserable brand of football that anyone's ever seen. Yeah, I mean... And I know Twitter's not exactly the place to go to for sane, like, reactions, but... It's not? It, it's a place to go when you want to see, like, kind of the landscape a little bit of what <laughs> people... And it's crazy. It is. It is. But, I mean, that's that's right. Like, you said it perfectly. Like, if you if we were doing our preview show, you know, Chad and I break down the the schedule, give our predictions. And if, if I just said like, you know, just give me a chance last game of the year, home against Tulane. If we win that, we go to the conference championship. Don't care where I'd have been like, yeah, I'll take it. Absolutely. Cause we know that's what the goal is. So the goal is well within reach and very possible to achieve. So that's all I really look at from, from a, a big picture standpoint, but this game in particular, like this was vintage black cats. Oh. Like they took a team that had started to find itself a little bit offensively granted against two defenses that are not anywhere near. And that's what I think this, this whole season has shown is that for all the consternation, for all the, you know, discussion, hemming and hawing, complaining, whatever you want to say, like this defense is still damn good and still gives them a chance in every game. Uh, 202 total yards allowed, 3.7 yards per play. Temple gained 35% of their available yards, which is a staggeringly low number. They had four turnovers, forced four turnovers, one for 11 on third down, four three and outs. Temple only had the ball for just over 23 minutes. They only ran 55 plays. Like, you know, you forced... Eight of their drives, four turnovers and four three and outs. Like that's so 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 good. And it was just a you know a a very bearcat like defensive performance in a game that you just needed to, to snuff them out from the get-go. And they did, gave great field position to the offense, especially in the first half, which they capitalized on a couple drives. Um, but you know, Jacob Dingle, huge, inter- huge, awesome diving interception. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, Shepard with a great pass breakup that Threats was able to grab in the end zone and then keep himself in the end zone and not start a drive was, at the one-yard line. That was one of the, you know, like, people applaud, like, running backs or receivers or, who like, offensive players when they go down without scoring a touchdown and, like, laying in the middle of the field, whatever, keep the clock running. For him to have like, like the awareness of, okay, if I even if I take this out, it's going to be like two or three yards because there's like three guys standing there, or if I like do this little ballerina hop toe tap in the end zone and dive out without hitting the pylon, like we're going to be in better field position was, in the moment, a, a a fantastic play. Oh yeah, and the Godfather with another huge, you know, play stripping, uh they're running back and us jumping on it. And and that happened twice where they, they ruled them down, but because of our awareness and just jumping on the ball, you, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can have the, uh, you can have the fumble, but you also have to have the clear recovery. immediate recovery for you to keep, keep the ball. And they, and they were able to do that. So that was huge on both plays one by, Forget who recovered 
it was the, the Noah, fumble that Noah Potter recovered. I know he had the one that Van Fossen forced late in the game. I don't remember who recovered the one um, that Cor- Corleone, Corleone stripped and recovered. Oh, he recovered himself. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so that's that's good aware, you know, good awareness, good understanding of of what you need to do. Um, oh, okay, so um, sorry, I just got a text that I need to oh. take care of something real quick. But uh, but yeah, it was um, it was the defense that we have have always uh, looked at and been able to count on, and they came through. In flying colors, uh, I'll answer this real quick. I didn't even realize this until after the game. Uh, Leonard Taylor was injured to some extent. I guess went through some pregame warmups and just didn't feel um, like he could. Didn't feel like he was in a place to go. So we'll see what that means for next week. But yeah, he he did not play. I was going to say that that was kind of a, a late um, announcement that I had seen on Twitter that he wasn't going to be available. And I know somebody was asking if uh, Mateo was back, but I don't I don't think that he is back from his injury uh, from earlier this year. So I don't think he was. No, he, he played. He played a little bit last Did week, he? and then he was out there today. They ran a lot of, um, and we'll get into it when we talk I about totally offense. That too. But um, they ran a lot of twelve personnel there was a lot of stuff with josh um and peyton singletary, singletary yeah on as kind of like wing wing backs kind of like behind the, the tackles um there's even you know with with shaman in there too there was some 13 stuff too but uh but defensively like luke mentioned that they they work some stuff to get um as with deshaun is kind of almost like a box third safety just in an effort to get make sure that him and Ty were on the right. field at the same time. Um, not a, again, not a lot of you know one one sack, and that might have even been credited on the the bad snap. So not really a, a true sack in the sense of a sack. Five tackles for loss. Um, they did a lot of quick stuff, and you know, it's just. It's been getting, and their offensive line is good. Like we talked about that on Wednesday night or Thursday yeah. night, whenever that was. Like EJ Warner is th- through the ball coming into this game 38 plus times in five straight games and had only been sacked five times. Yeah. So he's, he's real good at getting rid of the ball as, as a freshman. He's good at kind of extending plays a little bit just to get him a little bit more time. He's not going to run, but. You know, I don't. I didn't think there were. This wasn't going to be a big set game. This was a big stop the run when they did it, and they did. I mean, they they did a great job stopping the run. Uh, you know, don't give them any unnecessary yards when they do try to run it, and just keep them in long down in distances where where you just basically let them do their underneath stuff. And that happened a lot of times. Like they had a, they had several third and longs where it was just like. The yeah. only thing available was up was, was underneath uh, and rally the ball, and... make the tackle, get off the field. So, kudos to the defense. Um, I just wanted to point out with the defense, like I know that you you've kind of touched on a little bit here, but the last two games that they played, Temple had 621 yards of offense against South Florida, and 485 yards. Nope, 
533 yards of offense against Houston. They had 202 yards yesterday. Yeah. So, kudos to the defense. And I would say the defense has started. I mean, it's a two-game sample size, but I'll take it. Yeah. Um, They've started to play much better on third down. Five of 17 <laughs> last week, one of 11 this week. Uh, so, you know, what, six of 28 the last two weeks. Uh, it's not that terrible if if the vaunted Holton Aylers could only score three points on a mercy field goal when they were down 28-3. If my coach did that and then came to the press conference after and said, I just wanted to get points on the board, I would be losing my mind. But anyway. There's another There's another one of those situations that I'll talk about later. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you're, you've given up some – they were two for, two for two on fourth down yesterday. I think ECU was two for two on fourth down. But, I mean, the main goal is third down. I mean, that's when you get off the field. You're only going for it on fourth down typically, you know, if you're in plus territory or you're trying to extend the game. So like giving up some four, two for two on fourth downs yesterday is not something that I'm too concerned about when you're up 20 and they're going for it on, you know, with five minutes to go in the game. It's not a Navy team. That's going to go for it on fourth down. Like, no, you know, all the time. Right. So, um, I mean, you're, you're six for 28 third down last two weeks. Um, and that's, that's huge when you, because that had been an issue earlier in the season. It had been an issue getting off the field, stop, you know, stopping drives. Just So if that can continue against Tulane, that would be outstanding. Were you as surprised as I was looking at the uh, games on paper and seeing that it was literally all purple everywhere? All purple? Yeah, let's see if we can uh, – Aaron, Aaron asked us to – I don't think I have that up anymore. Can uh, do you have it up? Can you yeah, share your screen? Yes, I can. Present, uh, I think, is what you do. Yep. Yes. But yeah, it was... Uh, then I think Aaron's going to yeah. have to... Well, here, I can add it to the stream. There, we go. there we go. So the, the people can see what we kind of look at typically from an analytical view. But yeah, it's a lot of... It's just the first game that there has been literally no green. <laughs> like anywhere. There's some white, some light purple, and uh, a lot of dark purple on Temple's side, yeah. but uh, no green, which is not incredibly surprising. Um, I just really thought, like, the way that their, all, their defense played, like, somewhere in here we would get... Well, we didn't have a lot of... Not a lot of Havoc plays. It was just a lot of, like, yeah. two, three-yard gain, you know, like, six, seven-yard passes. Plays. Yeah. They didn't, you know... They didn't run the ball a ton, so I don't know how much stuff right you're going to get running the ball. And there weren't the plays yeah. behind the line of scrimmage in this game. Um, but yeah, so you know you can dive in, and it's a good thing if you like. It's a good website if you like to see kind of some some more uh, analytical, data driven driven views of the game. But even like this is di- like some of this is different. They have just di- different amount of plays than like the official. NCAA uh, stat report that we looked, you know, that the school puts out. So there's always going to be a little, little tiny variations of, of things. But did anything on there jump out to you, good, bad, indifferent, or are you just more surprised that like it's literally just all, all yeah. pretty much aver- average to bad? Yeah, I, I mean, I, and I guess like if you think about like the fact that those are kind of light, very light purple in the average zone. 
Um, I just thought the defense played a lot better. I know there's not like a ton of defensive metrics going on there, but the offense, like I said at the beginning, at the outset, they just kind of did what they needed to do. Um, and we can get into uh, the the elephant in the room a little bit whenever. Um, yeah, we it's. I mean, I think the, we, I mean, the defense there, was great. I don't think we need to hit too much more on. <laughs> On that, they did everything that you would ask them to do in this type of a game where you just want to literally just get the win. Like, just get in there and the, I mean, to play in such a ruckus atmosphere. I mean, they overcame with... such a hostile environment. God, it's I mean, like... were there 5,000 people in that building? Like, people, just bodies. I'm, I guess if you, incl- I don't know, uh, maybe. But everything that I saw was like tons of empty seats and then like one fan sitting there. And then like I saw the clip uh, that the Bearcats put out, I guess, of like the the uh, rally cats that went up. Yeah. And so like, but that looked like the largest like single group of people in the in the place. It wasn't as bad I'm, as like Texas A and M, but I'm I'm looking up some I'm looking up something real quick. I want to see what in their in their. Uh... In their box, how many school, fans like they... what? What they actually say was there? Because this is, I'm very curious about this. Let's see here. Where... I mean, it was it. It looked like a closed scrimmage. Oh, it was way less than a. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> this number is amazing. Take a guess what they what they're putting down as attendance. Like thirty-five thousand. No, that's ridiculous. That's even more ridiculous. Well, Texas A&M put out ninety thousand. They 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 said fourteen thousand six hundred something. No way. No shot. I mean, I'm serious. I don't think there were five thousand people there. I didn't like really like you couldn't even. I mean, they they should have ESPN. You should have just pumped in crowd noise so that it sounded like it was. <laughs> It was like a, a quiet game. Lambig asked if he's allowed to complain that we have zero punts blocked. Lambig, we lost the a, punt block a, whisperer. This is a free society. You can literally complain about whatever you want. <laughs> we we've lost because the punt block clearly whisperer. people do that. Yeah, did Notre Dame block another punt yesterday? I don't know. I don't know. I know that they won like forty four to nothing. Yeah, Boston College is awful, but uh, but yeah. So off- offensively, obviously Ben Bryant getting injured, huge storyline. Uh, we don't share injury reporting. We don't really know much of anything. Um, he was on crutches with a boot on his foot after the game, which could lead to any number it of could, things. Yeah, it could be a high ankle sprain that they just want him to be off. I mean. Putting a boot on your foot is is used to be kind of looked at as like, oh, that is a horrible injury. Now it's like you do anything, it's get the boot on, get the, yeah. the pressure off of the foot, get it, you know. That said, on a short turnaround, playing in a, you know, a game for a conference championship, it's hard for me to envision him playing Friday because you don't – like. If he can't, if he's not like close to a hundred percent, you can't waste first team reps in pre- practice on a short week when you're not certain 
if he can play or not. Like, yeah, you need to give Evan all as many reps as possible, and and not is... you know, and and not run the risk of like, okay, we get you know, Ben tried to go, and we get to game day or he play, you know, and he, he can't go or he plays a, a little bit and he reaggravates it. And now we yeah. haven't given Evan like basically, you know, he's gotten more reps because Ben's been injured and we have to like, I'm, I think you just move forward unless he, unless he's fine, which, yeah. you know, I have no idea unless he's fine. I think you move forward with, with Evan for this game. Yeah. Um, and, and this is, this is now what the second game in, in the season that, uh, he's gone out. In, Bryant has gone out injured, um, yeah. and Evans come in and just kind of like steadied the course, like held the course of where they were at. You know, didn't do anything crazy special. I've seen some like anything. wild, oh, wild over. Like, I'm not gonna call the person out, but like shined. Like, let's like he was fine. He is. He came in cold. <laughs> he came in cold. And yes. steadied the ship he was... to keep it moving forward. Like I said, like he didn't do anything special. He no. didn't. He, he also didn't... didn't do anything horrendously bad. Right. He, like he did enough. It's it's a tough situation. One because it's a tough situation for multiple reasons. But first, you get no, he got no reps during the week. I mean, we're in week whatever this is. He got very few reps because you're game planning to beat Temple. Like yeah. this isn't fall camp. This isn't bye week. This is Game planning to beat Temple. So Ben takes the vast majority of the reps. Then he comes in halfway through the game. So he's he's cold. He's, you know, he's, you're not, your, your preparation is supposed to be the same, but like your preparation is different when you know you're starting versus, oh shit, the quarterback just got hurt. Now I've got to go in. Yeah. The playbook, I don't care what they say, it shrinks. There's no way that, you know, you're going to call the exact same things that you would call for a fifth-year senior who's been your starter all year and has been a starter for two, almost two full seasons than you're going to call for a player, you know, that has never started a game, that has only come in in, I want to say, one, you know, a couple games in mop-up duty or one game in mop-up duty probably and then one game when, when the other when the starter was hurt. So there's there's several contributing factors as to – you know, things that he's up against. But like you said, he did some good things. He didn't do anything that cost them the game, which that's frankly all I cared about at right. that point. Exactly. But there are still some things that, like, I go, here's my biggest takeaway, and, you know, people, you can call it, say I'm totally wrong. People can say I'm totally wrong. Like, if you've been calling for him to, to start – then, then your expectation of what he did needs to be way higher than what he did. Because that. nothing that he did show, said to me, like, absolutely, Luke is wrong. He should have been starting. I mean, look, he he's probably going to... I mean, he, he's a different type of quarterback, right? And absolutely. <laughs> And so when he comes in and you've got, you know, your offensive coordinator is where he's at calling the kinds of plays that he's calling, um, that that's going to change a little bit. I think the first couple drives, like the first couple possessions he was in there, 
um obviously there at the end of the half like you're just you're really in like kind of a, a survival protect where we're at kind of mode um let's get to the half and see what you know if uh if ben's going to be able to come back out in the second half you know it becomes apparent to them um obviously that he wasn't going to be able to come out and play the second half so now it's evan so you got to change some things up you know look at the way that you're approaching um the offense a little bit differently and, and you bring up a good point that i don't think a lot of people think about that during the week he's not taking taking the reps and and getting prepared in that manner um as much as he is getting prepared as a backup which is a lot different and so they kind of on on the fly just i don't know moved him out of the pocket a little bit um he made some things happen obviously the ryan montgomery play that got called uh for illegal touching which i think was his actually like his second best uh play that he made under pressure um the other one being when he was i mean he was getting sacked and it was an incomplete pass, actually. Yeah, but threw it he, out to the side it, to Montgomery. Yeah. No, threw it out to the I side mean, over there. He did some some good stuff. He used his athletic, especially on the play to Montgomery in the end zone that, that did not count. Um, he did some really good stuff. I think what has crystallized and what what is evident is that this offensive line is struggling big time. Yes. Like, regardless of who the quarterback was, I mean, four sacks. Offensive line did not pass protect great. The running backs did not pass protect great. Um, so, and it just, when you cannot run the ball, and they ran it, I mean, I guess, okay. okay. I mean, Montgomery and Kiner had 22 carries for 94 yards and a touchdown. That's not, it's not awful, but this is a, we talked about it Thursday night. This is a run defense that has been absolutely destroyed four weeks in a row. And at the beginning of the game, like we could not move them, <laughs> couldn't could not move them. And so when you can't do that, I don't care who you have at quarterback. The defense does not have to respect your run, does not have to play your run. They can put four guys at the line. They can put you know in this three or four guys at the line, depending on the defense, two or three linebackers, and they can just say. Throw it. We're going to play shell coverage. We're going to let we're, we think our four up front can handle the run game enough that we don't need to commit any extra people. And we're just going to sit back here and make you throw underneath because we know you have the big playability. And they even, even with that in their face, they hit the one to Trey Tucker. Yeah. But like it makes throwing the ball so much more difficult when you just can't move people and you can't run the ball with any any semblance of success. I mean, you get down there on the goal line twice and you know, you you can't you can't get it in the end zone. Um it's just it's not it's not acceptable. You can't say you're an offensive and defensive line driven program and and, and not be able to move people. If you're not going to run zones and counters and pull offensive linemen and you're just going to be a man-on-man offensive line scheme you you have you to got, you have to win those matchups and they just do better don't there. win those matchups and you know especially when evan was in i think that hurts because you know 
just like with Ben, I think a couple of his sacks is an, were an awareness issue. And I gave him a little bit of, of leeway there because his internal clock is not, calibrated not yet. where it needs to be because he hasn't taken the reps. But, like, you still have to, like – and that goes back to my point of if you think you should be the starter, well, a starter can't do that. Yeah. A, you know, if you think he should be the if, – if you think he's the better quarterback, then the better quarterback doesn't have those issues. That's that's my whole thing. Like if he was just a backup, that was there was no competition in the in the spring. There was no competition in the fall. It was clear cut. Ben Bryant's our quarterback, and Evan Prater's our backup. And we like Evan Prater a lot, but he's just not ready to compete. He's just not ready to play. And then the starter gets hurt. He comes in, and it that's what this. you and that's what you get. Then you're like, that's fine. He's he's not ready. Like we know that he's not ready, and he did just he did enough. He made some good plays. He didn't make any horrible plays, and we won. But if your opinion is that he should be the starter, you cannot look at that and go, yep, that that's right. Uh, so I, I think, I think though, obviously, like we've said it before, um, you know, let's put a little bit of faith and, and trust in, in this coaching staff in making the decisions on who should be the starter. And when you listen to them talk, that, I mean, that's the way they look at it, right? They look at it as, a guy that they don't believe was ready to go as the starter. And Bryant was. He gets hurt. Evan comes in, does what he does. And they're happy with how he performed when he went in because that's a backup going in, keeping the, the ship moving forward and not blowing the game by right. throwing like five picks and fumbling the ball or making stupid decisions out on the field. Like, yeah, like, I mean, we've how many quarterbacks have we seen? Veteran quarterbacks that they're about to get sacked. I mean, I can think of Davis Britton at Tulsa, like about to get sacked and just heaves, he, heaves the he like, one. And he, he didn't do any of that stuff, you know, when it was time to get sacked or whatever, he just, he took it, move on. We know we got a good defense. We know we got a good special teams. They needed to help him out a lot more, whether it was with the running game, whether it was with the play calling. I still don't understand what the hell we're doing when we get into the tight goal line situations the, they, kick the three, jump. they kick three more field goals. That play, I mean, the defensive guy made a hell of a play. Oh, he did. But my I, biggest, it, my biggest question is like, we can't move people in the run game. So why are we condensing the field when it's second and goal from the one, third and goal from the one? Like, spread them out. I will say on that play, it like when they went back and and showed it from directly behind, you uh, see, like yeah. into the goal. When you bring Wiley in as a fullback, just follow him. Yeah, I mean, I think he, he, he might have probably punched, been a better serve. He punched a hole. He punched a hole. To, there was a hole. Dive in there versus going up top. But, but like, if you're not it moving come people, down to that. it shouldn't right, come down. Right, if you're to that. not moving people, split out Josh Wiley. Throw it up to him. Put in Nick Martiner. Throw it up in the air. He's eight feet tall. Go, go, Jumbo. And they tried to do it on second down, but like at that point, I'm just like, just pounded it, like. I, I just don't I don't get it. We don't utilize the tight end anymore down there. We you know we have trouble in these condensed spaces, but we're hell bent on just running it right up the middle between the tackle over the guard, like with with extra bodies. Like that's that's not working. Like hasn't I'm not, worked all I'm year. not saying you're on four on third <laughs> and one from the one yard line. You're in shotgun with four wide receivers. 
Right. Especially with Evan, like that's a quick recognition space. That's a, a fast processing space. He has not been in that situation. Like I'm not saying like you stand him back there and let him pick, you know, find who's open, but like the stuff they're doing ain't working. It hasn't been working all year, but we seem to be doing the same things. Uh, this is kind of two questions in one here. Bearcat 12 asked, do you expect the staff to go after a few O-line transfers? And Tony asked from a position group standpoint, is offensive line play the biggest area of concern going into next year in the transition to the Big 12? I would say yes to both questions. Now, obviously, good offensive linemen in the transfer portal, you don't think 100 teams are trying to get those guys? So that's that's a lot easier said than done. Um, They've had success at the smaller school level. I mean, Dino Boyd from Rhode Island – was the successful offensive lineman, James Tunstall, who started at UConn and then transferred to Stony Brook before coming to UC, has been a successful offensive lineman. Uh, so I wouldn't be as concerned about, like, where the guy is from. But, yeah, I don't – you you can't look at what they've done this year, whether it's in pass protection or the run game, and say that they should not be looking for options in the portal – and you certainly cannot look at that group as it is constituted right now and think that's that that's good enough to play in the Big 12. Big 12. Mm-hmm. And it's also, it's, I mean, it's kind of hard to bank on even like getting, you know, O-line guys out of the portal necessarily. Like, I mean, there's just got to be some guys are really going to need to like, I don't know, take it a step forward, a step up, whatever you want to call it. Like, yeah. I mean, and you're not going to solve it. Improvement there. You're not going to solve it in the portal. No, you might get one or two nice pieces that help you. But like, if the offensive line is going to, to take a step, it's going to come from the development of the guys that are on the roster. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think you know, they mentioned at the beginning of the broadcast that Gavin Gerhardt almost didn't play. I don't really think they said why. Yeah. Um, but it didn't make it seem like it was like a, a game time. Something, uh, who knows, maybe illness, something, I, I don't know. But I mean, um, so, you know, he was, something was, com- you know, compromised to some level for him yesterday. Um, but it's just, it's got to get better. You know, if Evan's going to be the starter against Tulane, I think, I think they still try to do too many of the long developing pass plays with him. Like, you need to that. get him. Now, they did more of the stuff to Josh, and it was nice to see Josh with 11 targets, he looked, seven he, catches, 70 yards. Um, he looked good. He looked good, like, kind of – and I don't know if this is just because he's – he, you know, came in without much, you know, prep on the – with the, the first-team guys. But, but, like, he seemed a little quicker to, to check it down, which I know is like a – you know, that's a – Kind of a uh, let me bail out. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw it over here real quick uh, and let let these guys do what they do. Um, so I I did like that, um, and I obviously enjoy seeing Josh Wiley utilized more because we've been kind of clamoring for more more tight end usage. Um, it but to your other point, once they get down to the goal line, it's like they they must forget that they that their tight ends can catch the ball, and then they want to just bring them into this. You know, the fullback role. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, he's, Evan's 12 for 17 for 127. So, I mean, he, he threw the ball, he threw the ball fine. He hit, he had a couple nice throws, one to, to Trey Tucker. Um, that was, that was like 
right on point. Yeah. Uh, there was one to Tyler Scott on a third down where I think uh, Tyler Scott might have heard some footsteps around him because um, I thought he could have caught that ball. Uh, it was a little high. Yeah, over the middle, there were three, got, three yeah. guys around him. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, he threw the ball okay. To me, this is just much more of like, if you, got, especially with him, with the lack of experience, with you're going to have a short week of prep, like, you have, and you have to be able to run the ball to help him out. You have to get him in being second and six, second and five, third and two, like, you could like the plays that Ben can make to bail you out on long, on long down and distances. He's just not going to be able to do that consistently without the experience without Tulane has a very good defense. They're going to show him a lot of interesting looks, a lot of things that he hasn't seen before. If he's the, you know, if he plays in the game and you cannot have him back there at second and 10, third and eight type situations. Um, Got to get him going with some quicker stuff. I, you know, I felt when they came, when he came in, they're still running the plays and, and having him throw, you know, sit back there. And, and he had fairly good pocket presence, but there were a couple times where the awareness just wasn't there. Um, and that part of that is, is experience and game reps and the internal clock and all that. But part mm-hmm. of that ne- needs to be like putting him in a situation to not have to really worry, you know, worry about that aspect as much. So I, I think what we're saying here uh, is obviously like we, okay. I mean, Ben Bryant was my first half offensive MVP. Uh, and, you know, I, I think he is an important cog in this machine and hopefully uh, whatever is going on with him was, you know, precautionary in the boot. Like you said, I mean, nowadays it's like, you know, you stub your toe. They're like, put a boot on. And uh, like, if you can't go, we're going to put a boot on uh, for right now and then and kind of evaluate this. So hopefully, you know, they've got a clear picture of what's going on. And if it's going to be Ben, you know, then he, he can get out there and go 100% in practice and get his, his reps in, and we can be prepared for Friday. And if they decide that, like you said, like if there's any question, um, it, I think it would benefit them more uh, to to run Evan through all the first-team stuff. Uh, ben Ben is like to think a guy that could, if he's – kind of questionable even in, in his own head that he can sit there and view practice and take it in um in a manner in which you know he would be prepared uh just being that he's a veteran and been through so many game preps um that he could you know if it's one of those things like okay he needs a few more days whatever he can watch as practice goes on and they can make a game time decision but it it would help them more, I think, in that situation to have Evan get the the actual physical reps on the field during practice, and uh, and be prepared that way than to sit back with a clipboard and be like, okay, this is what Tulane does, as opposed to being able to see it on the that, that is, scout team. That is a good point. Like, I don't think Ben at this <clears throat> stage needs, you know, every rep actually run in practice. I mean, you see that a lot especially in the NFL, Will Levis at Kentucky is dealing with that this year. He's got a 
toe issue. He's got a left shoulder issue. So, I mean, he basically developed bad habits from practicing with these injuries that they finally just said, like, you don't need any more reps in practice. Like, just sit, be healthy and try to play the game. So I definitely think that could be an option um, because Evan just needs, you know, if you have any, if you have any concern, any question at all, he's got to get the the reps in practice. Uh, So, you know, I think, Oh, hello, sir. Are you, are you wanting to co-host again? What are you getting? Some muffins. All right. Well, hurry up. (laughs) Um. All right, bye, bud. And and then the then the question becomes like worst case scenario, if for whatever reason Ben is not available, you have Evan, and then who behind him in the event that something happens? I would guess Brady Lichtenberg. Brady Lichtenberg. I think so. Yeah. So I mean, there there's obviously like other other things that you know. They've yeah, I mean that's the thing him. is like, and he's, he's really never done anything. He's got to get a few. He's got to get at least a few reps with the with the ones. You know, he's got a. He's not. He hasn't thrown the ball to those guys. Probably run plays with those guys in practice since the season started. Yeah, not a lot. You know, you're not given a lot of in season third team quarterback reps with, with first the team. Ones. Yeah. Every, you know, that's that's not. You're not given a lot of that as you game prep week to week um so you know like they'll dial in more on you know and that's the thing is when evan comes in you can't just call it anything you have to call the things that he has worked on that you've worked on with him yeah and he might be working this probably working a lot of the same stuff that ben is working but just to a lesser volume and so this week you've got to you've got to hone in on what he likes, what he doesn't like, what he's comfortable with, what he's not comfortable with. And that is going to be a more condensed playbook than what a fifth year guy likes and is comfortable with. And that's just the, the nature of, of the sport and nature of starters and backups and, and what you do week to week and how, how you, the focus is to win games, not necessarily like develop players in October and November. So this will this will be a big week for him studying, a big week for him, you know, working with the ones, knowing what they how they like, and he does he's done plenty of that he's not, you know, unfamiliar with the players per se, but it's just everybody everything just runs a little bit different when you have to have a you know a backup quarterback come in as a starter. So it's a huge week, but you know I I we've said it I've said it like. I have tons of confidence in this coaching staff. Uh, these guys are winners. Like every week there's a result. And this week there was a result in our own league where you're just like, we don't do that. Huh. Like I thought about this before we came on the pod. So I can't even like, I didn't have a chance to look it up. Like this year we've lost to Arkansas and UCF. Last year, we lost to Alabama. The year before, they lost to Georgia. The year before that, they lost to Memphis twice and Ohio State. So, is it 
Luke's, where are we the last time we lost? And I'm just rhetorically asked this because I'm yep. sure you're not going to know off the top of your head. When's the last time we lost to a team that didn't have a winning record? Uh, it might have been like a. Did we lose to. Well, we lost to Temple a few years ago. Well, it was Luke's, Luke's first season. Yeah. So is that so, I mean is, is that the last time? And and I don't I don't know what their record was at the time. I know we were a top twenty five team when it happened, or because they were talking about I mean, was the, it and two, that might have been the last time at Temple. Two thousand eighteen, we, we lost at Temple, but I don't know. If, I don't know if they finished with a winning record or not. I'm just saying, like, yeah, this this team, this program, gets it done when they need to get it done, and that cannot be taken for granted when you look around and you see my team, my other team go into Columbia and just, I have no idea what that was. Spencer Rattler has been terrible all season. Uh, South Carolina had scored 18 touchdowns in, in SEC play coming into the game and they scored nine yesterday. Like Spencer Rattler had more touchdowns than incompletions or the same number of touchdowns as incompletions. So like, you know, just it's it's a it's a testament to everybody, coaches, players, staff, everybody, that week in and week out, these guys can figure out ways to win. And and I don't think going into this like we talked about earlier, going into the season, I'm not sure you could ask, given everything that we knew would happen and that and that has happened, I don't think you can ask for more out of this group than to have a home game where if you win, you're hosting the conference championship for the third year in a row. Yeah. Uh, that that's what it comes down to. Like, and I, and I tweeted out yesterday when the game was over, just nine and two, because there was, <clears throat> and, and I don't know if this is something that like, I guess it, it like breeds itself when your team starts having like consistent success. Um, uh, is like people who have these like expectations that every week is going to be like a double digit win a la Ohio State whatever um or you know any of these other like big teams that are always playing in the college football playoff and they've got these you know these big but if you look around that like that that's like the exception and not the rule i mean Georgia won by 10 over like 16 to 6 over over Kentucky, like these teams aren't yeah. always pounding everyone into the ground. Like it's college football. There, there are weeks where you look at the scoreboard throughout the day and you're like, well, I don't know what's going on with this. Like you just have to win. That's all that matters. Like you're not, if you don't start the season all the way like up at the top and you don't have the opportunities on your schedule to play ranked teams, which for some schools doesn't matter. They can just beat whoever's in front of them and they stay where they're at and move up. But for a team like UC, like they really didn't start high enough in the rankings or anything that like the the New Year a New Year's six bowl has always been kind of the the secondary target this year after winning a conference championship. Right. And you And they're in a position to do that. You typically, you know, with the way that the A A C has been, if you win the AAC, you're getting that 
that New Year's Six bowl game. So, you know, it's just, it's, you know, it's it's right there in front of him. And, you know, Jeff wants to, you know, he asked, you know, said about the offensive line. I, I agree. You know, Ren, Renfro will help stabilize the middle of the line for the Big 12, but we need a tackle. I think everybody needs to be, like, if they're going to, if this is the style of their run game that they're going to use, like, you have to get way better in the middle, too. There was a lot of, there was a lot of shifting around yesterday in game. You know, Cooper was in at left guard. Uh, at times, O'Quinn was in at guard. It, but, I mean, when Mets was in, uh, O'Quinn played, Cooper played. Like, they're tr- they're clearly trying to find combinations. That work. And who was that that got hurt? Who got hurt? Mal Mal Glenn got hurt. He's he wears eighty seven when they um, on certain formations when he comes in as like an extra um, big body. I think it was on a was it on a field goal or was it on a a, I think it was on a goal line. One of those. Yeah, he he got hurt on that. Um, But they, I mean, they just they got to get better across the board. You got you got too many good backs to be getting contacted. Almost like almost immediately, like it's it's one thing to to not be able to like the holes are just not there, like there's not anywhere like the one run play that they busted Montgomery's 14 yard touchdown was a really really nice blocked play like oh yeah they blocked it well Mets got to the second level shielded the linebacker Montgomery cut off of that made a nice move in the open field but like they're not creating space for the running backs. It's like, get what you can get two, three yards. And then if you get anything extra, it's because you broke a tackle. It's because someone missed a tack. Like there aren't these like gaps where you're just running through seven yards before you're contacted five yards before you're contacted the whole operation, the whole, whether it's the scheme, whether it's the players, um, it's probably both, but again, I'm not, you know, I don't know often. I'm, I'm like five, seven, you know, on a good day. Like <laughs> I, I don't know offensive line play. Uh, so it's a cover. You know, it might be a question for spring practice when we get a little more relaxed atmosphere and we're around the coaches and, and we can just say like, Hey, like, you know, what are you trying to do scheme wise? Where are we failing? What, where do you like, are you close? Like, because that's right. the thing is, like, Central Michigan had the nation's leading rusher last year. They had two guys drafted, I want to say in the first four rounds off their offensive line. And we have their offensive line coach. So something is, is amiss, whether it's the talent, whether it's the scheme that is maybe he tried to bring the scheme from central and these aren't the guys to run it maybe he yep. maybe just be he the is, fact that it's the first year and trying to change things it, there's a lot of a lot of questions that we're not going to get answers to in like the when in the tuesday press conference but that i would i mean I'm, i would like to ask them in and not in an accusatory, accusatory fashion i would ask them and i want to better understand Absolutely. like what are we trying to do what are we not able to do just like be a smarter more you know, 
more educated football fan, you know, not take it to them as like, you know, in a negative way. Just I want to know. I'm interested to know, like, what? Why do you guys see the issues? Are you, you know, or are they not issues to the extent that we think they are? Like, bunch of bunch of interesting stuff that could come from that. Um, I have a there. There was a something posed on 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 the social medias yesterday. I'm sure, it was intelligent. And so I, I want to throw it out because I know that we've got there, there's folks over here in the chat that might have opinion and uh, more interested in your opinion here on. Would you like? Are are you excited at the the prospect of playing in a New Year's Six Bowl potentially, and going up against somebody like say Alabama or LSU, whatever? Another you know, probably an SEC opponent of that yeah. that caliber. Maybe even Notre Dame. Heck, they might even play Notre like Dame. A, any team that's been ranked in the top 10, 15, yeah. depending on how the last couple of weeks fall. Sure. Right. I get what you're saying. So I, the, would the, I be excited the, about it? The, so here was the, the, the thing was, the, this person said they were not, they, they knew they would get hate for this. Uh, it said, you know, that they would rather not uh, just go into a New Year's Six Bowl against like somebody like Alabama and it be like really ugly. So you'd rather go to like Birmingham on January third and play a six and six crappy like Texas A and M. I, I I guess that's the absolutely not. I when I want to play the best all the time, no matter what the the possible okay. outcome is. You don't learn anything about yourself about your program going to Birmingham or the Gasparilla Bowl or some shit like that, playing some team that either sucked all year and went six and six and gets to go to a bowl game because they're in a big conference or goes to a bowl game that they, you know, we make fun of the whole, like, well, they clearly didn't care. Believe me, there's plenty of bowl games where the team does not care. Uh, No, I don't No, Why would I want to do that? Like go to the cotton, go to the cotton bowl, play Oregon or USC or Alabama or Tennessee, or whoever, I play them try, and try to win the, win the game and see what you have versus what they have. Like, no no chance in hell I would ever. I don't care if the score is 50 to nothing. My, my response to it was, I'm more in the camp of win as many games as possible and let the chips fall where they may. If you're going to if you're going to go up out there, I mean, look, we're going into the Big 12 next year, like we're going to be playing these types of teams throughout the year on a regular basis where we're not going in and playing in a an empty, you know, NFL stadium or an empty stadium on campus because the the people don't get like it's going to be different. Yeah. Why not just keep, you know, keep that up? Uh I, I like to get I like to get Dave riled up. Like, said you you got me all riled up. I just well, like, like it I, was it was when I saw it and like and I have that's like, just decent, such an that's just such an opposite way of thinking. Well, I to, put it to the way that I'm wired. Like oh, it, it to, to me like and and the guy that that posted it like I have like back and forth with him not and and usually like agree with quite a bit of the things that he says. So like to see him post it out there like it was. I was a little bit surprised and and it might be just like kind of the, I don't want to end the season on like a losing note, but like, I also don't want to end the season. Like you said, like at the Gasparilla bowl or at a bowl that nobody cares about watching, because the thing is, is even 
even if you go into a New Year's Six Bowl and you lose, like there, like recruits' eyes are on that, right? And they they see like, oh, they they made it there. This just wasn't, you know, it didn't turn out well for them this time, but they made it there, and and maybe that's you know something else that can. But I I am of the same thought that play the best everywhere so that there's no question where you stand and maybe where you you know what questions need to be answered it was like what we said at the beginning of the year when they opened the season with arkansas who at the time we thought could possibly be you know a, a very good team whatever like you we answered a lot of questions in that first game than you would if you opened with you know a, an fcs right. opponent yeah i mean the thing too is the new year's six <clears throat> to us in the current situation, being the AAC is a big deal. Yes. Because the drop-off from that to the next best bowl game is a Grand Canyon-sized golf. Yes. After going to the playoff, and the way that the playoff has sucked up all of the airspace when it comes to postseason play, nobody gives a shit about the New Year's Six games. I don't care about the new, like there's some games last year, matchups, like they're not interesting to me. Like I don't watch, I I mean, I watch them, but like no one is like, Oh my God, I cannot wait to watch this non playoff game between, you know, these, these two teams that are only here because they're in like power conferences and they didn't even make their conference championship game. Like it's a big deal to us because it's like new year six or Birmingham. Yeah. It's not going to be a big deal next year when it's when there's some other very very good bowl games that you can go to playing competent like teams that had similar seasons to you. That's the other thing is like you go from potentially making the New Year six or even last year like if they didn't make the playoff they were obviously going to make the New Year six. So it's not right. the exact same, but like it's not even the bowl game sucks. It's like you go from you're 10 and 2, 11 and 1, 12, whatever it is. And you don't make the, and then you go from not making the New Year's Six to still having that record, still having a really good year. And you're playing some team that's, you know, 6 and 6, 7 and 5, that finished eighth in their conference. Like, nobody wants that. Like, I don't want, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in playing on the highest stage possible, playing the best teams possible. And seeing how we stack up, and and this year we might not stack up very well. I don't care. It's a it's a you know it's a players, coaches, families type of thing. Like bowl results to me mean literally nothing. But he, here's here's my other like thought on that, and this is only a thought that you know came to fruition uh, yesterday. So in, in the event that. You know, let, let's say Ben can't go whatever this week or, you know, maybe he starts, I don't know. You get to the bowl game, if if you get to the New Year's Six, like that would be fantastic. That would require another couple wins here um, to, to stack, you know, your, your next kind of, your next quarterback up against even For better sure. competition. Um, it, it's yeah, all about it, answering questions at that point, I think, about, you know, like you said, the measuring stick to see where you're at. Like, do you want to measure yourself against, you know, the lowest common denominator, or do you want to measure yourself against, you know, the the best that you can go against in that situation? 
I just I just don't look at what I want based on what the outcome might be. Yes. Like the outcome last year was pretty much exactly what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. That didn't, oh yeah. That didn't keep me from wanting to make the damn playoff. It was the. It was. It was <laughs> like, the. Right. Exactly. It was the. It, like, could you it, imagine being like, "Yeah, I don't really want to make the freaking college football playoff because we might get killed by Alabama." And really, like, <laughs> I wouldn't even say that. Like, it was like it wasn't necessarily killed. No, I mean, they just really they were the... a better team and they dominated. I mean, we struggled in every facet of the game. Didn't play a good game, but they're really they were really good too. Really like, good. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but like, could you imagine being like, "Nope, I'm not interested in seeing how that goes. I'm not interested in." 13 to 0 making the playoff because they might beat us bad. And, and what did we, what, what did the nation get as far as like answers to like who UC was? It was that like, you know, those secondary guys were beyond elite, right? Like those mm-hmm. guys, like, and, and some of those other guys can play at that level and, and, and do those things. We obviously were outmatched again on the line. And, uh, and that was really what, what flipped the game is what it yeah. is but we don't need to like rehash that at all but no thunderbucks asked uh is the 12th team playoff next year no the earliest it could possibly be is 2024 and the rose bowl being the rose bowl is basically the only hurdle left uh i wish they would just tell them to kick rocks and you know well this is way. This whole thing is way bigger than than you in particular. But they are hell bent on saying that they need their whatever two o'clock local time New Year's Day because of a parade and a, and a sunset. So we'll see if these whatever commissioners, presidents. Uh, can tell them to go to hell or if they finally realize like we're being ridiculous, which I find that hard to believe they've been ridiculous throughout this entire process. Even when the, the, you know, that that's why that's why on some years, you know, the playoff is on new year's, you know, new year's is, I don't know. I don't want to get into it. I won't know what, uh, what exactly I'm saying at this point, but, um, let me let me see here. Uh, your commentary is about the bowl system in general, outside of the playoff. Right? Yes, yes, it is the bowl. The bowl system, like I'm anti-bowl system in general. Um, you know, they uh, they need to basically go away if it's not the playoff, uh, especially when it expands. You know, if Bowls are a nice reward for for teams that I think had like uh, unexpected seasons. But like, if you're when the playoff expands and you barely miss out, like, do you really care about going to play in some bowl game? In the Cheez It Bowl. Yeah, like you're not going to care. Like if if you if you need to win your conference championship game to make the playoff and you don't. Do you I mean how much are you really going to care about than going to play some exhibition game a month later, three weeks later? Uh, uh, 
and that might be like i mean that that's part of like the reason i think that i don't know those games are just kind of this like i don't like this uh, a feather in your hat kind of thing like yeah we we made it to this bowl and you know the you know, the, the kids get get some some items here and there and some extra per diem or whatever oh, like, it's, it's great for the players and the, it's a well-deserved yeah. most of the time it's a well-deserved trip to a warm place uh that's the other terrible part about the aac bowl games is like you get, get like birmingham birmingham which uh is not necessarily warm in january you get fenway park you get annapolis maryland uh <laughs> you know it's like not a lot of California, Texas, and Florida in there, AAC. No Hawaii Bowl. <laughs> that you lose money on that. Well, yeah, but the kids like it. Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I, and I don't know that there's really, I mean, there's no perfect answer. Uh, I think that the 12-team playoff may be a better answer because at least then you know, you'll have 12 teams that'll have a meaningful yeah, you know, something, and you're giving you're giving some teams, you know, uh, another home game uh, for. Yeah, for their I mean, fans, there, there's, there's, there's good. There's, I guess, I mean, I look at it as as all good, um, as far as uh, the expansion of the playoff. You know, I know some people say, well, now it means that, like in Ohio State, you know, they can lose to Michigan and still make the playoff and they can maybe even lose twice. And, and I, I get that. And, and the trade-off to that is more access, more teams having a shot later into the season, more teams where yes, an Ohio state and Alabama, they maybe can lose twice, but you're then more teams don't feel like we have to go undefeated. Right more teams like like you take UC for instance in a 12 team playoff they lose to Arkansas or in a you know a 12 team playoff they lose to Arkansas the season they can still make the playoff even under I, this circumstance like if I they mean, had lost to Arkansas and were undefeated they had beaten UCF they're undefeated they would be in position to make a 12 team playoff winning the conference well even um, even even right now like Probably when these rankings come out next week, like you see might jump up to, I mean, depending on like the chaos that happens, if you're in the top 25 with like, you know, they, a game plus potentially a conference championship game left, depending on what chaos happens, who knows? You might be able to jump up. I mean, it, it's a very outside shot, but you still have a shot there. Right. Like yeah, you're not going to go from like... 20th to fourth, but you might go 20th to 12th. Yes, it's, it's possible. And it'll be even more possible next year. Right, uh, because your resume is on the whole will be better, like a the, lot, a lot better. Yes. So, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I think it's it's great for the great for the sport. There will be people that cover the SEC and the Big Ten, or that are homers for the big conference that will say it devalues the regular season, and I just don't agree with that at all. Because if you're looking at it from the entire landscape for all 130 division one teams it does not devalue the regular season it it allows you to to not have to be perfect right um, and still have a you know under the current situation like 
you you know you you see even last year was like a goal line stand by by Oklahoma or by Baylor. Yep. Away from going thirteen and zero and still maybe not making the playoff. Exactly. Uh, Natalie brings up a question: Do you think we reach a point uh, where teams basically locked on making the twelve team playoff rest starters at the end of the year? I, I don't know. Only because like you know, if you do that and then you lose a game, and uh, yeah, I don't like think so other... because if it if it costs like if it costs you seating, if it costs you from getting to buy. Or a to home having field. a home game, or if it costs you from having a home game to having to go on the road, like if you're the fifth seed or the sixth seed and you're slated to get a home game and you're in your Alabama and you rest your starters and you lose, and now you're going to Michigan in January, you know, or late December, whatever the schedule ends up being, and it's 12 degrees and snowing sideways, and you just cost yourself a home game and a possible like 40 degree, 50 degree difference in, in game temperature. Like, I don't think that's certainly not worth resting your starters for. And I, I think, I think the other thing is like, I don't think they would rest their starters just because like at the end of the season, the the teams, the teams that would be locked into the 12 team playoff are going to be playing in conference championship games. Or and, big, and, like, like you think Alabama is going to rest their starters against Auburn and take the chance that they lose to Auburn. Right. So I, I think, I think in that situation, like I, I don't think you'll see teams being like, okay, like we'll we'll go ahead and see if our you know our backups can can win this game just to rest you know our starters. Now, if you've got a guy that's banged up, um, you know maybe maybe you run him out and play him the the first half and see if you can jump out to a lead and then he well, can it's, it's rest just, the second it's very, half. But it's very different than like the NFL when you go when you see teams rest their starters. It's because the standings have locked them into a certain position. There's no standings in this. This is still going to, there's still going to be a committee. Yeah. So like, just because you're in this spot one week does not mean like you're going to be in that spot the next week. You can't, you you have no, you can't count on that. Um, So I, I don't see it happening. Um, yeah. Not to say somebody won't think it, you know, won't do that and then try to like you know go into the the media room after the game and be like, "Well, we didn't play any of our starters today." Uh and try to lobby the committee because we all know the committee doesn't really care a whole lot about anybody else's thoughts, but the the 12 or however many people are on that committee in the in that room on that particular day. For sure. I mean, I I want it to happen as soon as possible. Um but we'll see if the if these all these guys can and ladies can can get on the same page. Um, yesterday, obviously not a not a great day for uh, my other team. We don't need to talk about that at all. What other game would you like to discuss? Okay. Um, well, you know, like, uh, you know, like we we talked. I mean, Georgia, their defense is what won them the game. Obviously, uh, yesterday against Kentucky, uh, Kentucky had. Scored six points in the fourth quarter uh, to kind of you know make it look a little closer, but obviously Georgia's offense didn't fire on all cylinders there. Um, I don't know Will Levis; he was twenty for thirty-one, two hundred and six yards, so not an outrageously spectacular performance there either. Um, Ohio State won forty-three to thirty, but the last uh, their last like touchdown from uh, looking at the highlights stuff, I guess, was just a 
kind of a tip pass that was like a, a forced tip pass and landed and ended up with a uh, like a pick six kind of situation um so they i mean they struggled a little bit with maryland michigan struggled with illinois um the tcu baylor game was nuts did you see the end of that yeah when they ran they ran the kicker out and uh the the, the you know no timeouts we we got to do this literally like put his foot on the ball with like three seconds to go yeah i mean he um, didn't even do like he ran i noticed i saw this on uh twitter i think i forget who tweeted it but like you usually seem like walk their steps uh yeah. out and he just ran to the spot and they snapped it and you know went with the kick and you know it was it was a very quick uh i mean it, that is as fire drill a a field goal as you will ever see and, and to hit it in that situation to keep you know TCU because if they lose that game there's no way they're in the playoff no shot yeah no and, no and, for sure and, and to, to run on in that situation find a way to win do you think TCU fans are like complaining about the fact that they only won by a point no, against the six, against the now six and five Baylor team on the road. I guarantee you, they're not. They are just excited that they won the game and it kept them undefeated and likely still keeping their playoff uh, hopes alive. So, and then we can skip the fifth ranked team in the country. Yep. Uh, LSU thumped UAB. Uh, USC UCLA was a good game. Uh, there was a very strange. Um, kind of a weird ruling that I had not ever heard or seen in that game. Uh, there was a field goal that was kicked. It was a 46 yard field goal for, uh, I believe UCLA. They kicked it. There was a flag thrown field goal was made. So the flag was thrown for too many men on the field for uh, USC. The official came out, waved off the field goal said that uh, UCLA was late bringing in their 11th player and he didn't leave the window open long enough for USC to make changes, which caused them to have 12 men on the field. And so there therefore is no play, no penalty, no play. And they had to re-kick the field goal. See, that is like, that's total opposite of the TCU Baylor game because there were people were, there were questions of like, when you run the the field goal kicking the field goal unit on the field, do you then have to give time for the defense to run their field goal block on the field? And if they just lollygag off to the sideline, then time expires on TCU. And I'm have always been under the impression that 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 situation does not exist for field goals, like. The changing of offense to special teams, the changing from offense to the field goal unit does not then allow, doesn't give the defense the chance, like they don't get the chance to just take their time and subbing. Yeah. I mean, it, so it apparently just... the Pac 12 thinks that it does. I don't know. Because if that's the case, then yeah, why wouldn't Baylor just, you know, basically walk to the sideline? Because then they could say, well, they brought the field goal unit on so we need to we need time yeah. to bring our our field goal block team on and you have to hold the umpire has, has to hold the snapper until we get everybody on the field 
Yeah. Which I don't think it should be that way. Like no. it's a, it's not an offensive play. You're not subbing out personnel. It's like a, it, so. I I would think that the Pac-12 call was wrong. So, but that that was what they did. Which wouldn't be surprising because their refs are on on the level of AAC refs. Yeah. So that 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 was a just an interesting thing I picked up there. USC did end up uh, pulling it out, winning forty-eight to forty-five. Um, I want to. Lambig does ask a good question because okay. I've been a, a Sunny not hater, but whatever. You know, is TCU good because of Sunny? I find it hard to believe they aren't frauds, but they keep winning, so I don't know. I kind of agree. Like, are they are they better? Are they are these Big Twelve teams not as? I won't say the wrong, but like. On the level of UC of like, you know, the way that they play and what they have done to SMU, and especially when Sonny was there, uh, are SMU players just soft and TCU players aren't? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Because, yes, like, they keep winning against good teams. Like, everybody, like, you know, people that want to criticize them. They have, you know, and you can, it's just one metric and it's ESPN. So take it for what it's worth. But like their strength of record is number one in the country. Like they've beaten four or five ranked teams. Now they've had a lot of quarterback luck with the other team having backup quarterbacks in, but like you can't control that. That's not your fault. Right. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess if you go from, Dallas to Fort Worth, you just get tougher dudes. I'm not, I'm not sure. You know, you just walk 20 miles north, and uh, and you got a whole different different crop of player. <laughs> uh, Thunder Thunderbucks uh, goes back to the UC game, bringing up uh, threats, balancing himself in the end zone. We did touch on that, um, and I we agreed. Very high IQ play uh, in the moment to realize like falling out of bounds here, not trying to take this out was, was a, a great great decision. Um. Oregon beat Utah 2017. I didn't see any of that. Uh, Bo Nix was 25 for 37, 287, and a touchdown. Um, I, I, that game came on way too late for me. I watched. Um, I watched a little bit. It wasn't exciting enough to keep my attention. <laughs> um, and then you, you get to a game like this: Georgia Tech against number 13 North Carolina in the 12-team playoff scenario. That's that's a huge loss for North oh, Carolina. Oh, it's a team monster. Right, Absolutely. You know, right, they're right on the cusp. <laughs> Obviously, this year, they're not. But, like, you know, say this is a 12-team playoff. Like, <laughs> you lose that game by four points, and you're, you're you know, sent to the back of the line. Right, because if they win that game and lose to Clemson in the AACC championship, they maybe still have a shot to make they a 12-team playoff. They might be able to squeak playoff. in. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, you just you lose to a three and seven team at home. You're you're toast. And then, yeah. And then, then should you we got? We leave the number twenty team to Aaron and Chad, or do we do we get one word in on the number twenty? Uh, team? We we can get a little bit of a word in on that. We won't we won't totally steal their thunder on it because I know like Aaron ha- he's like I gotta fill twenty minutes with AC talk and you always. Oh, I could I could fill twenty minutes on that game alone. Oh yeah. Well, we won't <laughs> fill twenty minutes on it because then Aaron will Aaron will be sad uh but like oh and again with like arkansas Ole miss you know Ole miss 14 in the country and then 
they get absolutely stomped on by Arkansas. They ran for over 400 yards and scored 21 points in the fourth quarter to make it look like it was a close game. Yeah. How do you, like, run for over, two running backs ran for over 200 yards each. <laughs> it's just, uh, I, I don't know. The lane, the lane yeah. train might not be heading to, to Auburn after all. Who knows? <laughs> or maybe maybe he is, and he's already just like packed it up, and yeah, you know, that's what's going to happen. Uh, Kansas State over West Virginia, Washington over Colorado. None of those appeared to be anything uh, good. Then we get to the number twenty team in the country, uh, the Orlando Tech Golden Knights, and uh, woof woof, just not not good. Navy's uh, fullback had twenty carries for one hundred and fourteen yards. Uh, He's got a fantastic last name in Fofana, um, and he is a bruiser of, of a, a running back. And I know that we've had the, you know, obviously we played them, so uh, they just didn't. They didn't. I'm not good. gonna. I'm not gonna say it's to the extreme, but that game had a lot of Tuberville vibes. I mean, I said it last week. Like, I think Gus is. A much better coach and obviously he's younger and it's it's not the same and but like that game plan and just the the outcome and with everything that was sitting there for them like whoa like in that is that happened to like i would be like there's some Ooh. stuff that i'm I'm way more concerned about than just we lost this game. I saw somebody on Twitter today say, I think we're now understanding why we beat Auburn in the bowl game. And it was a UCF fan. And I thought that was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, uh, somebody like somebody did a, a montage of like, they did a Twitter search for oh, uh, yeah, the fire, fire ghost slang and or whatever. Yeah. 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 Like, and it was everywhere. Like there were people like use me as a fire Gus, like, you know, like this for fire Gus. Um, but it, yeah, I just, it, I caught, I, totally... I'm stuck, I caught some, I don't know why. And it might not be fair. Uh, but I definitely, that, that had some, some tubs vibes to it. No, I mean it did. And it, it, it's a, they totally changed their, it felt like, uh, from watching the game, like they, I mean, you watch, they, they totally changed their game plan by taking out, uh, Plumlee going uh-huh. into the second half and, to try to throw the ball and it worked for one drive. And, uh, you know, it, I mean, Navy being down. Navy being a pretty darn good run defense scared them. Scared one of the best running teams in the country to not run the ball. Well, I mean, they gave it. their they gave their two two leading runners seventeen total carries, and they both averaged over six yards a carry, and that's all the carries they got. Huh. But yeah, support, support, support the support, damn troops. Support the damn troops. <laughs> go uh, USA. Go Nate. Uh, Thunderbucks also brought up a point we talked about uh, that they threw one incomplete pass at zero passing yards yeah. uh, and, and were able to win the game. I mean, they only ran the ball for like 200-something yards. So it wasn't like they... Their I mean, defense... John maybe, Marshall's... Or John... Is it John Marshall? He's a yes. freaking dude, man. He's four sacks. Like, he's awesome. And, and, it, and like, the sacks, the sacks were obvious. Like, he was... But he was in the backfield... Or making like you know a, a very key 
hit stop whatever you want to like you know stopping them from getting to the outside like it was yeah that dude was everywhere for them um so kudos to navy thank you to navy um for getting always always love the midshipmen always love them uh so that that was good um oklahoma oklahoma state um uh, oklahoma (laughs) not their normal self i mean they're but they win bedlam but they win bedlam so kudos uh and then louisville they're seven and four all of a sudden um and i yeah don't know where that came from and they beat nc state I think NC State's down like their third or fourth quarterback. Oh, are they? Yeah. Oh, uh, whoever their quarterback was was he uh, Finley, sixteen for thirty-five, two hundred one yards and a touchdown. So that at least says Jerry Palm is projecting a Cotton Bowl matchup of Tennessee versus Cincinnati. I would not like that. I'd like both of my teams to have a chance to finish the season with a win. Oh uh, no! So not not a fan. I did see that because my brother-in-law was talking about like getting tickets to go to, to something like that, but yeah. So, but I think uh, we will uh, wrap this one up with some. Uh, we have some Bearcats in the NFL. A little to get, week to, to get in real quick. A little week ten. Kobe Bryant five tackles. Brian Cook four tackles. Marquise Copeland two tackles. Nice. That's the first time he's made the. Uh, the weekly report here. Jerem Ford, three returns uh, for 95 yards. Derek Forrest, six tackles, an interception, forced fumble, or a fumble recovery, and a pass defense. Travis Kelsey with six receptions for 81 yards and a touchdown. Jason Kelsey, again, no pressures, no sacks allowed. Uh, Chris Moore, three receptions for 70 yards. And Maje Sanders, five tackles, a sack, a pass defense, and a forced fumble. Maje had a great game. Yeah, Eric, did I? Derek Forrest had a great game. Uh, I mean, uh, Derek Forrest has had an outstanding season. He's one of the, he's playing as one of the best safeties in the entire and, league. I mean, unreal. Um, and, uh, it's nice to see you know Maje starting to because he he was injured a little bit I think at the beginning of the year obviously so he and then I know Jerome Ford just came back off the. Uh, uh, I don't know if he was if they put him on the IR or if he was just yeah, he injured was, for. I think he was on IR return. Okay, so, so this must. I think this this was his first game back. Um, and I'll say it again: like having Bearcats be like impact players in the NFL uh, makes my Sundays so much better uh, because like <laughs> I don't have to just like I'm not just waiting around for the Bengals game or right. watching the Bengals game and then just kind of flipping through some things. Uh, it, it's it is solely like, oh, the Eagles are, you know, like, uh, let's see what's going on here. Obviously, Jason Kelsey's a, you know, he's a, a center. So, like, there's not a ton of action there. But to, like, see him play well or, like, the Jets are playing. Let's see what Sauce is doing. Like, the Seahawks. Like, it, it, it's just fun to, to be able to flip through games and watch specific players and be like, all right, cool. Like, he, he played well on that drive. Switch over to another game. I enjoy it greatly. I feel like I have a little bit of investment yep. across the league. For sure, for sure. Uh, Steven S., what is my Desmond Ritter <clears throat> take? You think once the Falcons are out of it, he sees some snaps? Uh, I think he should be playing now, uh, especially the way that their last two weeks went. Like, 
you can still be technically in it. I'm not sure that they really are. Um, and you can still be technically in it and see that Marcus Mariota is not the guy. And are you just, you're just afraid that if you put Dez in, then like, what's the difference? I, I don't know. I mean, yes, I think if they lose, if they lose say the bears, I, I mean, I, I'm not sure what else you need to need to see. Uh, Marcus Mariota has been bad the last two weeks. Uh, I know Dez has quite the, the backing in the fan base and on the socials, but obviously that doesn't really mean much. Right, um, we see that everywhere. So, but yeah, I, I think he should be playing now, let alone, you know, if they fall out of the NFC South race, um, Bengals were on a bye. The Steelers offense is terrible. They, they're here. I'm going to ask you a question. You might know the answer to the longest Steelers touchdown play this year is how many yards? Oh God. It's, I, I don't know. Dave, I think you're going to tell me it's probably going to be something under like 30 yards. How about eight? What? Yes, their longest touchdown play this year is eight yards. Okay. I would their offense is atrocious. As long as Joe Burrow doesn't have another out-of-body experience where he turns the ball over five times, uh, the Bengals should win this game. They get DJ Reader back, uh, which is a huge addition. It sounds like Jamar Chase is close. Obviously, will not play today. Off crutches. Mm-hmm hopeful for next next week uh but you got to take care of this game to make sure that you're still in the playoff hunt the a- afc is a dog um yeah. teams are you know you're probably not in position to win the division because you're zero and three so you obviously can't lose this you know you just can't lose this game you got to win this game it's a, to keep yourself on pace with the rest of the of the of the divi- or of the uh, conference i should say um yeah uh we talked about on PTP, like when the Bengals played the Steelers at the beginning of the year, like Steelers won, can't take that away from them. Uh, but literally everything that could go wrong went yeah, wrong. Yeah, I mean, we're going to, if we don't make, like if the, they don't make the playoffs, they're going to go kicking and screaming, thinking about that that game in particular. I think they'd be thinking about the beginning of the year and the way they handled preseason, but that's a conversation for another day that could go on for a very long time. No doubt about it. Uh, but again, thank you. Big number today joining live. We always appreciate it. Appreciate the questions. Appreciate the comments. Helps drive topics. You know, reminds us of things that we may have missed. Uh, you know, I totally missed that Lenny Taylor didn't even play because I'm not on Twitter during the game and watching the game. It's just something I didn't see and found that out after the fact. So, uh, but you know, Jeff, hope you and your family have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, I hope everybody had a, has a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thanks again for joining. Please like, subscribe, leave comments, YouTube, Facebook. Or not Facebook. Are we on Facebook? I don't even know if we're on um, Facebook. YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple, all, all, the, all the places. Retweet and, all uh, of the links. I hope to see everybody for a... Early kickoff post Thanksgiving, where the Bearcats will be playing to go to another conference championship. So, with that, I want to thank everybody again and have a wonderful Sunday, Cincinnati. Goodbye.